What is up, soccer players? Welcome to this latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It's me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Sebastian. Sebastian, how you doing, bro? Doing well, man. Waking up early on this Sunday. Had a soccer game with my team yesterday in Alabama, and we lost. So Alabama? Like, yeah, yeah, it was an away game for uh, UPSL. And it, it just it hurts a little different when you go drive like two and a half hours away, lose, and then you got to drive back home. That drive back, <laughs> man. How long was that drive? It was just like two hours and 15 minutes. Atlanta's surprisingly closer to Alabama than anywhere else. Huh. But <laughs> but that drive home after you lose, it, it's just uh, it's a little too much time for reflection, if you ask me. Yeah, it also depends who's in your car, too, right? Like, who was in your yeah, car? I was by myself, you? so honestly, I was just playing some bad funny on the way home, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's a vibe. Bad Bunny in Alabama. You'd love to see it. <laughs> you got to introduce the people to what's good. <laughs> but how have you been doing? Uh, chilling, man. Finally settled somewhat in this new apartment. Uh, missing a few things. Uh, bro, I don't know what it is. Every time I move from one place to another, I just lose stuff. Like all of my ties, I lost all of my ties. It They're happens. Gone. Once you move once you move enough times, you just like kind of forget what the spot was in the boxes. No, no. I remember every single box. It's it's just gone. Especially if it's you lost them. <laughs> all of my I have one pot. One pot. All the rest of my pots and pans. How do you, how do I lose like seven pots and pans? It's been driving me crazy. You're gonna have to do a retrospective analysis on it. It's it's gone, man. I don't understand. <laughs> That's fine, uh, man. Well, hopefully you find your stuff. Hopefully you get... It's gone, though. I won't find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely gone. Uh, but right. it is what it well, is, we, man. Yeah, man. Well, we, we got a good topic today. Um, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce it for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about what you can do, maybe should do, if you're not happy with your playing time, um, of course, we're going to really elaborate on the physical perspective of this. But um, Sebastian, as a soccer coach, um, you, you came up with a few things that players shouldn't do, which I, I thought was a, a pretty clever list. Um, first of all, if you're not happy with your playing time, what shouldn't you do? What should you avoid doing in order to still best represent yourself? Yeah, man, this is a this is always a tough one because I think unless you're literally starting every game and playing ninety minutes, most of the time players are not going to be happy with the playtime, and you know you never only keep eleven players on a roster, so there's always going to be people that aren't playing as much as they want. But with that being said, um, there, there's a couple of things that I, I've witnessed and I've I've been told by other coaches that are are the things to avoid doing if you want to get a positive outcome um, and you want to increase your, your playing time. And number one, people might resonate with this. Number one is do not have your parents speak to the coach on your behalf. Do not have mom or dad or whoever um, talk to the coach at, at least most of the time because that – that just puts the coach in an awkward situation where you, you have to explain yourself a lot to someone who's not even there with the team all the time, who's not there for every single practice. And 
it, it makes the coach wonder, like, why, why doesn't my athlete feel comfortable coming to me? Why do I have to have this parent, this, this parent coach conversation right now instead of just educating the player on how they can improve so that they can get playing time? Um, it's almost adding like a, a layer. It adds a layer of communication that ideally in a coaching situation you're not having to go through. But, you know, that's not to say sometimes, you know, certain players might not feel comfortable and, and it, it happens. I've seen it happen. And, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world if it is through the parents. But in an ideal world, you, you go and have that conversation with your coach yourself. Um, the, you, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I, I want you to finish this point because I, I have a funny story about this. And, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just think that it. I, I personally, I try to keep open conversation with all the players I work with. So um, I haven't, I've only had this happen to me one time, but it, it wasn't even in the, wor- the world when that happened. But like, usually it just, it just indicates that there's a something missing in the communication lines between the coach and the player. So it, it kind of comes down to the coach too. If you don't have it as an open way of communication, it might be that that's just how players feel comfortable communicating with you because you haven't been open enough with your players that they don't feel comfortable with you. Mm. So... Um, like a year and a half, two years ago, I was working with a, a semi-professional team, um, in New Jersey and, uh, the players that, you know, that were trying out for our team, we were a newer team at the time. Um, they were all between, you know, the ages of the youngest we had was 20 or so oldest getting closer to 30, but mostly, you know, post-college 24, 25, 26, um, just looking to keep on playing. And um, player was trying out, and uh, the club was actually looking for for investment at the time. So they set up this thing where um, you could bid for a piece of the club if you donate over a certain amount. And we got a, a, a rather large donation from somebody, and um, that somebody was uh, th- their son was also trying out for the team, and. Then they started complaining about playing time. Huh. That's uh, interesting timing. Your family makes a donation and now you're complaining about playing time. And they complained to the coach's staff. And his parents sent emails to the entire staff asking why wasn't my son playing. And I was like, ma'am, your son is like 25. What are you What are you sending this email for? Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I sent back my response and it, it was very objective as to why I didn't think he was fit enough. But I was just so surprised that at the age of 25, people's parents are still sending emails on their child's behalf. That, that Please don't let that happen because as soon as the coaching staff gets that email, that's an immediate red flag for you to, to, to not be involved and not be there anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I was just surprised that that was happening at that age. Yeah, man. And it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. You start accommodating people for that. Um, and th- that's kind of the danger of almost having like a, an ownership from the parents to like, they're, they're going to want their kid to play. And as soon as they don't, that, that's likely going to happen. So that, it's tough kind of like doing that with the team and letting the families own or quote, like quote unquote own part of the club. That makes me think of um, that Formula One driver that I don't know if you've watched the the Netflix documentary, there's like this Formula One driver whose dad bought a whole team, which is which these teams are worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> His dad bought a whole team 
And I'm not, I don't know if the, the driver himself is good, but I was like, oh my God, your, your dad literally just bought into the, your hobby and it just happens to be the most expensive hobby possible. Yep. <laughs> um, did you hear what happened with that team, actually? Um, recently? Not recently, no. Oh, so um, his his father, so his, his father wanted his son to be a driver. Um, something ended up happening where that family has connections to the Russian government. So they, I think they had him sell the team. And so everybody got what they wanted, where the team itself got the investment from the father um, but now the son can't race because of the, the connections to Russia. So they got the money, but now they don't have to have him race. So Dang. yeah, yo, these, crazy. like the, these teams in Europe and everything, especially in England, where it did not go lightly on, on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and like sports ownership. Yeah. No, no, respect to them, honestly. Yeah. Um, right, but back to, back to talking, back to talking about our soccer players, not getting enough playing time. Um, real quick, the other two things I, I recommend the players don't do, um, and I feel like these are pretty self-explanatory, but the first one is don't complain to all your teammates about it. Um, if you start creating risks within the team, it'll just make the team perform worse. Um, so the team will perform perform worse, you won't be playing, so then the team will be losing, you're not playing, it's the worst of everything. So it's okay to get feedback on your teammates on like things that they think you can do better, but don't go out and just complain and say like, Oh, like coach has it out for me. Or, oh, coach has his favorites stuff, things like that. Cause that's just not going to be good for team cohesion. And at the end of the day, people playing theoretically, if you're, this is like middle school, high school club teams, like most likely these are, these are your friends that are playing. So you don't want to be bad mouthing your own teammates for playing ahead of you. You just want to be, you want to keep working and be at the same level. And the last point I had on this was just don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on on being able to get to a point where you're getting more playing time. If you if you give up and if you stop trying to improve, then no, you're never going to get that playing time. There's part of the reason we play is to get better and to be out there with your friends. And if you just give up on that, at at some point, you're probably just going to stop playing altogether, at least at a competitive level. So definitely don't give up on yourself. Vitruve is a reliable affordable and easy to use velocity-based training system that allows sports medicine staff to monitor and evaluate an athlete's performance in the gym. There are so many scientific papers supporting velocity-based training, showing how athletes can get stronger, more powerful, and reduce their injury risk. Most of all, it's one of the best ways to maximize athlete intent during a fitness or rehab session. Check out the link in the description to learn more about Vitruve today. The Soccer Fitness Experience Podcast is an official partner of Concussion Corner Academy, a 12-week program designed for the working healthcare professional looking for top-notch educational content in the concussion sector. So if your rehab provider wants to learn more about concussion evaluation and treatment, check out the link in our show notes. All we ask is if you like what you see and want to enroll, use our affiliate link in the description to help support the show. Yeah, and all of those are, are really important. But what's most important from the physical side is staying fit. Um, and, and there's a lot of different elements to tackle when you're trying to stay fit, <clears throat> especially if you're not playing every week. Um, you really have to look at your team training schedule to see how many times you're training per week and how many days you're going to do extra outside of that in order to keep your fitness. Uh, for example, the, the team I'm currently working with in Hoboken um, they train once a week on Wednesdays and they have a match on Sundays. 
So if you're in that case, in that scenario, then you definitely have to do extra fitness work because you're only getting one other training day per week. Um, versus if you're training four or five times a week, maybe that's a little bit different. Um, so Sebastian, what are the different ways players can stay fit? Um, what do you start off by recommending? I think, um, we, we talked a lot about different positional demands. So I think if players kind of know what position they're going to be playing in, it can always help to, but that, that would be when you're really getting into the specifics of staying fit. But I think minimally, I, I instruct or recommend to my players, if, especially if they're only training once a week, I recommend that they get a, at least one leg day early during the week when they, I want them to go to the gym and to keep their strength. Now, we're, we're not, if we're in season, we're not looking to, to max out on things. We're not looking to lift the heaviest you've lifted all year. But I recommend that they get into the gym so that at the very least they maintain all the strength, power, everything that we worked on during the offseason so that they can keep progressing and, and or keep playing at top level. Um, that, that, that's really my biggest thing that I like to start with. And, and then from there, I, incor- I try to incorporate with them at least two other days of getting some, some actual running in. Now, the, the specific amount of running is going to depend on the player, the level that they're already at. Um, but say, say we're talking about some, some high-level players. Say these are players that are trying to go professional. Uh, what kind of things do you think you would want to include for them as far as like a, a more running fitness program? What kind of things are you including in their training? Uh, definitely sprint work, 100% mm-hmm. sprint work. And I think that's when you do have to be careful of because you have to look at your weekly schedule and see when are the best days to, to put that in. Um, but if you're not actively training your speed, then you are getting slower. And that's just how it is, especially if you're older, um, you, you have to, and not only train, you know, just one sprint, but also repeated sprints as well, because that's, what's going to make the difference for you, right? Because everybody else you're going up against, they could be fitter than you. They could be more technical than you. They could have a better tactical understanding of the current manager. So if you can't control your physical health, that's another thing that you could be behind on that you don't necessarily have to be. Um, conditioning is also key. Um, I, I, I think that sometimes players really go all in on high intensity training. And even like we see it as PTs, like, oh, you know, soccer players shouldn't do long runs because it's anaerobic, yada, yada, yada. But man, you look at a game and you cover 6K, 8K, 10, 12K in a game. Sometimes you got to go out there and you got to run a little bit, um, not saying, you know, go do a marathon, but, you know, six, eight minute intervals, that's that's not the worst thing if, if you're really lacking in fitness. Um, maybe you need that or maybe you need more high intensity sprint based stuff over or like it's more repeated. Um, so it's kind of looking at what you think you're good at training that and also training what you're bad at. So that's not your limiting factor anymore. Yep, 100 percent. At the end of the day, you still have to have an aerobic base. If you're still planning on playing a whole game, you still need to be able to be out on the field for 90 minutes in a row. So I completely agree. And then as far as when I have some of these more like bench-type players doing some of this aerobic-type work, it, it typically will be earlier in the week just because if, if you're going to get playing time, that's likely going to be on Saturday or Sunday. So it's kind of like um, if you guys have ever watched, for example, I think Arsenal I saw do this recently, 
they they played a game on Sunday. They didn't have a midweek game, so then all of the subs, reserves, they stayed out and essentially did a training session at the after the game, after their Premier League game, because they didn't get all the reps of running. So, yes, the guys that played 60 or more minutes, they just went straight to the locker room, but everybody else, they stayed out there and they did a little bit of a training routine or training session just to try to keep their fitness levels high because if, if you go a whole day and you don't play, that's it's an additional time that you're taking in to not work on your fitness. So um, if I'm if I'm recommending it to players, if we played on Sunday, I'll have whoever didn't play do a little bit of fitness work on that Sunday evening or on Monday. Oh, that, that that's a great idea. And um, yeah, it's essential. If if teams and if you have the facilities to take advantage of that, you you should be doing that. There's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, it's obviously a different case if you know you're on a team and eight games are booked back to back on the field and you got to get off. But um, if it's open, man, you you should have some pre written. You know, stick it in your bag. That way, you're not depending on anybody else. And um, after the match, if you're not happy with your time, then you do the work and. I mean, you're a coach. If a player did that in front of you, like, wouldn't you like like that and respect that? All the little things add up. Um, we talk. I, I mentioned like uh, you thinking, not you, but like people thinking coaches have favorites um, earlier today. And while I wouldn't say that I have like favorites, and I'm like, oh, I just like this person better. Like you kind of you you pick up on the little things that players do, the ones that always get there early, the ones that are always staying late the ones that are jogging in between parts of training the ones that that jog in and don't just take their time walking and talk with their friends which is okay to do it's okay to talk with your friends while you're there at training but when we bring people in the ones that like instantly are able to switch on again you at some point you notice that and then if you're you're deciding on similar skill levels between that player who does all the little things right and then somebody else who's not doing all those little things somebody who's slacking off half the time you're going to pick the player that that pays attention to you, the, the one that jogs in, because you trust them to go in and listen to instruction and do the job more. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say it. I have favorites, <laughs> you know, because I, I yeah. feel like some players, they, uh, they, they frankly deserve more because their effort, the dedication is, is higher than others. Um, yeah. And, and most of the time, yeah. like it's earned. Usually the players that, are quote unquote favorites like they they tend to be good players you don't you don't just you don't just like someone and even if they're the worst player on the team you play them 90 minutes but some people just kind of stand out over time in training as the ones that are always doing the right thing and they end up being the the favorites but it, they also deserve it yeah for sure for sure um going a little bit deeper in terms of of conditioning um maybe it'd be a good idea for us to kind of give one example um, kind of workout that that we can give to players. Um, I know a, a favorite one that that I like to do is just really break it down to what are the specific demands, right? So one thing that I don't worry about in terms of post match fitness is total distance, because again, that eight, ten, twelve k that most players cover during a game um, that takes a lot of time to cover and. I, I trust me, the players I work with, I love you all a lot, but 90 minutes after another 90 minutes, like that's, <laughs> that's a bit much. So um, it, it's actually also proven that total distance isn't the stat you really need to be worried about. 
It's more of those high intensity metrics. Did you reach your top speed? Did you reach your total sprint distance? Did you reach your high speed running distance? And did you do them all in an intense way? Your heart rate's going up and down, up and down, up and down to make sure you hit all those metrics. And if you hit all those, you're good. So, I mean, you can easily hit that by, you know, setting up some sprints. So you kind of have like a, a three or four section workout, maybe five to 10 minutes in each. Um, maybe doing starting off with your sprinting, then doing a little bit of technical work. Maybe if you have six players that set out, do a little 3v3 just to get the heart rate up, have those be timed, um, open it up a little bit, maybe mix in some high-speed running and like a shooting drill or something like that, and then maybe have a, a station on the side for players to just do what they want to do um, as long as it's done at high intensity. Um, that's kind of just an example, but uh, what, have, what have you done in the past with, with players that need fitness at the end? So I, as specific examples of one very easy one I can think of is I've had players, they set up two cones and one cone, and they're essentially just the distance of like the side to side of the 18. Mm. So I forget exactly how long that is, but it, you know, it's, I would say probably 30, 35 meters or yards. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what I have them do is I, I have them set a timer either on their phone or their watch if they if they have like a, an Apple Watch or something, and they start on cone one, which is on the right side, and then cone two is going to be on the left side, and basically put a timer on for thirty five to forty seconds, and I just have them run like eighty five to ninety five percent speed between the cones, thirty five forty mm-hmm. seconds, kind of mm-hmm. recreating you being a midfielder, defender, or striker. Uh, having to switch, having to react to the other team, possessing the ball a little bit more and being able to kind of run back and forth, shift with their whole team. And then once those 35, 40 seconds are up, I have them rest for about 30 seconds to a minute. Now, if we were working on speed, if we were working on sprint ability, I would have them rest longer. But since mm. we're trying to work on recreating a specific game scenario, I have them just rest like 30 seconds because, oh, like, Maybe ball went out for a throw-in. They're taking the time getting the ball back in. But, oh, ball's back in, and now you're chasing again. Now you're going back and forth again. So I'll have them do that anywhere from six to ten times because it gets really tiring really fast. And although you might be doing it for longer overall in the game, assuming they've already had some minutes or at least they went through the warm-up with the whole team, they already did some work on that day. But if we were doing that like in the off season or preseason, trying to build up endurance like fully from from scratch almost, I would have them go for a little longer. But after a game, just six six to ten repetitions total of that. Mm. I, I I like that. I like that, and um, I I think that distance is just perfect because it's like it really replicates. You know, when you're let's say you're a fullback and you make a run going up the field, and then the defending team wins the ball back and you look back and you look at that, that distance, you're like, damn, I got to cover all that. Like it, yeah. it really recreates that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's also important for it to be tailored to your, to your team schedule again. Right. And mm-hmm. this is why everything really should be, should be personalized because uh, for example, how, how often does your team play? Like how often do they train? Training for the, like, the first team is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm. Reserve team is Monday, Friday. Mm. And then games are usually Saturday or Sunday. 
So at, at minimum, your players are doing like three times a week. So yep. that that vital piece of like we need to improve doesn't really have to happen because you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, yep. Whereas some other teams, like let's say any adult team, if you miss one day and you're only training one day, then like that's potentially <laughs> you've done nothing. <laughs> you've done nothing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So if you guys have questions or maybe if this is something you guys are interested in, just hit either myself or Sebastian up on Instagram. Maybe we can help you out. Yes, but um, some other tips, really two quick ones. Um, ask why, right? If you don't know why you're playing, just ask and maybe your coach will tell you because chances are there's a reason for it. Yeah, man. And that's all going to be coach dependent too at the end of the day. But like I said earlier, yeah, yeah, it's sure your, your parents could ask, especially if, if it's not like an opening environment, but ideally your coach has made it welcoming enough for you to ask for feedback. I have many players come up to me all the time and just ask me what they can do better. They might, they, my starters come up and ask me what they can do better. Cause I've tried to open up communication with them all the time on I, I ask them how I can do better, how I can be a better coach for them. So I want them to feel comfortable asking me the same thing. And most coaches, I would say, will give you honest feedback, right? Whether it's, mm-hmm. oh, you need to improve your first touch. You need to improve your ability to take on somebody 1v1 because you're a winger and you're, I want your job to be able to beat somebody to beat somebody one-on-one, get down the line, get your cross in. I need you to work on your finishing because we're getting all these nice crosses and you're not scoring goals or you're getting faster or stronger, whatever it is. Um, I try to be specific with the players and they seem to be receptive to that feedback. So as long as you don't approach your coach in like a combative manner and like, like an initial argument and you just genuinely are asking for feedback, you, you should be getting something helpful back. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I think the, the manner that you ask is more important than what you actually say. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, if you go up like, why the hell am I playing? That's not going to work, you know? Yeah. But, you, someone you came up just... to me like that once. Someone really? Me, yeah, someone came up to me like that once, and I was like, well, number one, your attitude. <laughs> and here's all these other reasons. And they were they were so rude that I didn't even actually get a chance to explain to them what they could do better. I was like, these are all the things you're doing wrong. Fix that first. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. like your attitude matters when you go to ask. 100%. And I, I, I think the last point we have is, is super important, but actually making action on whatever advice you get right because i mean we're probably all guilty of it we ask somebody for advice and they tell us what to do and then we don't do it mm-hmm. um just don't do that like actually <laughs> put the work in and I'm not saying you know if you get a whole laundry list to tackle all of them maybe you know be strategic and and focus on one or two things at a time but um make sure you're doing it and then make sure you're doing it with enough intensity that you get the results that you want couldn't have said it better myself um all right that that pretty much wraps it up for today's episode um any final thoughts on you know players that aren't getting enough playing time be respectful keep working ask questions and get to work and for me just stay fit and do what you got to do because Mm -hmm. 90 minutes could be around the corner yes sir all right see you all next week